like we got a great bunch in the room. Let's go ahead and get things started here. I'd like to welcome you all again. For those of you just joining us, welcome. Welcome to the Sun Country Master Executive Council Tuesdays at 2 presentation. We do appreciate having you guys here. Uh, it's it's really good to see people involved. I see a lot of new names in the group. I see some regulars in the group of people online. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we kick things off, for those of you who are not aware, these are recorded. We are being recorded now, and they will be edited and put online at a later date for future uh, reference and viewing. Uh, do appreciate some of the time we've taken to get some of these up online. I understand it takes a while, but they do have to get through uh, legal vetting, make sure everything is, is okay to put out to the, the public. With that in mind, uh, please don't try to like screenshot or summarize to share with your friends online. The, the best bet is to refer them to our YouTube channel, which is YouTube black, uh, backslash at S. Geez, my lips won't work today. It is youtube.com backslash at S-C-A-M-E-C. It's really easy to find. And then as far as the podcast, whatever podcast server you're using, you can find the Sun Country Airlines Pilots Podcast. That's what it's called. If you search for that, you'll find our podcast on any of the podcast servers. So with all that being said, I'm going to go ahead and kick things over to Eric. I know he's got lots to go over today and let him have at it. Eric, how are you doing? Doing well, Kevin. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I know we have an investment call coming up, you know, fairly shortly. So I'm going to kind of roll through this stuff. Um, there's some, some, uh, some density to the the subjects today, right? Uh, some of these things we've been kind of um, working through for several weeks, um, but I just want to make sure that we have a little bit of time for some Q and A at the end. So I'm going to try and move through fairly quickly. Uh, got some news subjects to cover, right? Um, I want to talk a little bit about investor groups and Amazon uh, ownership structure, simply from the standpoint that um, this company is not what it used to be, right? The the thing done on a shoestring budget off of, uh, you know, the out of the wallets of pilots and flight attendants in order to make it run. Uh, we just simply aren't that anymore. Uh, there is now, um, you know, with that large corporate structure, uh, along with that, the company now has a, a very robust uh, labor team, several lawyers, um, you know, people who are uh, experienced from the railway side of the RLA, and all of that pressure is being brought to bear on this MEC, completely different than it was even a year ago. Um, and the pilot group really needs to understand that and how that ownership structure and having a, a labor policy and a very aggressive uh, labor team um, kind of picking apart our contract. It is wildly, wildly different than it used to be. Um, and our culture and strategies need to shift and change too, right? Um, also want to note that the negotiations uh, survey is still open. Uh, the uh, We're looking for people for SPSC, uh, which is the uh, Strategic Planning and Strike Preparedness Committee. Uh, we need to get those guys spun up because, like I said, we're in a different labor environment. Um, there is some uh, action on uh, the pre-bid long trip uh, LOA that I want to bring people up to speed on. And uh, I want to talk about the health insurance enrollment and make sure people are aware of that. Uh, a couple other contractual subjects we need to cover. 
really need to get everybody aware of what's going on with long-term disability benefits, right? This is that aggressive labor team picking apart your contract and it's leaving some people uh, without an income uh, who definitely need an income. Uh, that said, uh, we've had some pretty good successes lately on uh, the arbitration and settlement front. Uh, we did get a settlement on uh, two hours uh, from notification to report, and I want to pick that a little part apart a little bit and look at some of the contract language and what the settlement looks like and what that means. Uh, likewise, uh, we got a, a settlement. We should be going to arbitration tomorrow on the order of assignment and follow issue. Um, that. Uh, also, we were able to reach a settlement on both of those settlements come with uh, punitive damages and uh, a remedy, um, uh, either make whole remedy or uh, five hours uh, per violation remedy, which uh, pilots need to be aware of and uh, start to um, bring some pressure to bear of their own on, um, on these violations, right? So, uh, I'm not going to get to the slide deck today on the um, online uh, deadheading reserve settlement. I, I just the, I have too many slides and can take too long to get through. We're going to have to save that for next week. But uh, in um, uh, short summary, there right. Uh, also, a five-hour remedy uh, on a precedent-setting basis for pilots who are not getting. Um, uh, proper seating for online deadheads. So uh, know that language and know what it's there. Um, file pilot issue forms uh, if you're not getting uh, the seat that you want, and the grievance committee will seek uh, a remedy. All right, so uh, digging into some of this new stuff. Now, note that uh, this stuff is uh, is fairly old. I think this is actually 22, not 2020. Um, but uh, some of these uh, ownership groups, right? So Apollo is uh, decreasing their ownership share, but uh, now almost 10% owned by BlackRock. Uh, Vanguard owns about uh, 7% of us, uh, Capital International roughly 6%, and the McGuire Group uh, about 5%, right? Um, additionally, a significant ownership stake through warrants by uh, Amazon. Uh, what's important here, right, is uh, I think kind of the pilot group has been up to speed on the notion that, that Apollo has been divesting and uh, no longer uh, controls the board. Um, that said, uh, these other investment groups are looking at us, and they're looking at us because um, the business model does something different than the rest of the um, ultra-low-cost carrier group and different from uh, the legacy airlines. And some people are interested in investing in that, right? And uh, I think shortly, just within a couple hours here, we'll find out how we did uh, compared to an ultra-low-cost carrier segment uh, that's been struggling significantly. And I, I expect uh, reasonably good results, right? Which is to say um, the pilot group is hitting it out of the ballpark. They're working really hard to make this place go. Uh, that said, uh, you do have a contract and you deserve to have the rules that are in this contract followed. And, um, you know, the notion that uh, we cut the corners and break the rules uh, because, um, you know, this place is being supported out of, uh, um, you know, a pilot and a flight attendant's wallet just simply doesn't exist anymore, right? So uh, taking a look at uh, Amazon, Amazon ownership, right? Amazon um, was granted warrants in 2019. And um, so 
how this warrant system works, right? A warrant is uh, basically an agreement between uh, the company and this investor, in this case, Amazon, and it gives Amazon the right to buy uh, shares at a price of uh, $15.17. Um, currently, uh, I don't know how we're doing today. I just haven't checked in this afternoon. But um, this allows Amazon to continue to buy uh, shares in this company at a fixed price, right? And a fixed price that is uh, maybe different than what the market pays um, due to their relationship with us, um, you know, uh, flying uh, their airplanes, right? Uh, so I think, yeah, we're sitting at about uh, $12.95 right now. So uh, Amazon hasn't, uh, I, would, I would expect, not be war uh, buying in at $15.17 when they can buy in at uh, $12.95, right? But uh, note that when those warrants are exercised, they do dilute uh, the value of uh, other uh, people's shares, right, other investors' shares. Um, and uh, there's currently, as of a December 22, so almost a year ago, right, um, Amazon had exercised 25% of their uh, rights, right, to uh, purchase shares. And uh, there's about uh, 10,000, or sorry, 10 million warrants. Uh, and it's assumed that that is uh, Apollo and Amazon um, who have uh, access to those uh, those warrants. All right. So just to just to understand that we're, um, you know, we're not a mom and pop. We're not owned by a mom and pop. We're owned by giant, uh, highly aggressive companies uh, that don't like labor unions um, and are extremely, extremely aggressive. And that's the kind of attacks that we are uh, seeing on us and on our contract. Uh, and it has been a very difficult and a very significant cultural shift from what we experienced uh, working with um uh, the management team that was interested in interest-based bargaining, right? And with a different uh, management team in place, uh, there isn't that kind of uh, leadership um, uh, guiding the way uh, who can deal with, you know, uh, labor in the right way. So uh, they're doing mitigation and marginalization, and that is uh, significantly um, um, uh, hurting this pilot group. Extremely aggressive, right? Um, all right. So... Um, the negotiation survey is still open, right? Uh, please, please try to participate in the survey. Uh, we do need to get um, up to about 60% participation uh, in order to close that survey and have it be scientifically valid, right? Uh, this is a, a significantly, um, let's say, more uh, rigid and, um, well, scientific uh, process than say like a survey monkey is right because with survey monkey you can get you know eight people to respond and say what the results are but that has nothing to do with actually creating a, a statistic knowledge uh, about a pilot group um, and their diverse interests right so um, understand that when uh, we take these surveys right what we're trying to understand is what the pilot group's interests are right uh, we see a lot of that through conversations with the pilot group through um, darts, especially pilot issue forms, right? Um, and you can see it play out on, you know, Facebook and uh, in social media. Um, so the notion um, of being um, in touch with this pilot group is very important to us. And uh, it's important that we know uh, exactly where people are at, right? And that's what this survey does, because it's all it brings together 
kind of all of these subjective views that um, that we have from interacting with the pilot group in multiple different ways and puts a little bit of science behind it and says, yeah, this is where people are actually at. You know, either you're sensing it right, you're reading the room correctly, or you're uh, you're off base, right? And it's important to check in and make sure that you're reading the room correctly uh, and understand uh, where uh, the pilot group's interests are, right? That said, there's competing interest within the pilot group, right? Uh, who makes what money inside of the pilot group, who has what, or, what work opportunities, uh, all of that, right? And it's really important to um, to us that uh, we are creating objectives, right, that are uh, aligned with where the pilot group is at, right? Um, so what will happen here, right, the negotiating committee will uh, take all of that data in, start to process it and understand um, where everyone's at, and then try to create a strategy that fix with, fits with the complexity of this negotiation and uh, prioritizes some things here based on um, what kind of strategy can actually occur in midterms and might um, push other things into, you know, Section 6 bargaining, which is, uh, you know, early openers are just 20 months off, right? So uh, that stuff's coming up rather quickly. And um, some things will work in midterms and some things won't. And we need to strategize as to where to put those uh, different objectives. And that is uh, that's the work of a negotiating committee. Right. So um, I know on the last call we had a question about whether the results will be shared. Right. And some of those we can be. Um, uh, let's say open about, and some of them the negotiating committee needs to hold uh, a strategy, right? Um, happy to share anything that doesn't undermine the negotiating committee's uh, strategies. Uh, the more that the pilot group is in touch with um, the overall objectives of the pilot group, I think the better. Uh, that said, right, um, uh, going through the survey point-by-point uh, point read-through is like putting up a billboard, uh, what your strategy is going to be uh, to the other side, which doesn't serve the pilot group very well. So um, uh, anyways, that's uh, uh, please push people to get involved and take the survey. Don't assume that the people uh, in your demographic are going to participate uh, and make your voice heard, right? All right. Uh, like I said, we're looking for volunteers. Uh, we're looking for volunteers for all of the work we do. Um, uh, this MEC is uh, very budget strapped, right? Um, the the dues that uh, that everyone pays finances the work that we do, uh, along with some implementation grants uh, from uh, national, right? But generally, uh, the way your budget is built is you spend based on uh, last year's um, uh, dues, right? So whatever was collected last year, uh, there is um, a metric that is determined uh, to get some percentage of that to operate this MEC. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a heavy growth airline, right? So uh, the bottom end, uh, new hires are churning at about 60% in their first year. And that stays pretty steady up through about 18 to 24 months. Um, there's quite a bit of attrition, right? So um, a lot of people never get off of probation, but we still need to provide the basic services for about 200 people who don't pay dues, right? So uh, it sets up a very complicated uh, situation. And the more that the pilot group is involved in um, the future, right, of how we uh, approach uh, the company and creating uh, the little bit of uh, work that needs to be done, you know, many hands make light work, right? So uh, the more people that are involved, the better. Uh, the need to set up the strategic 
planning and strike preparedness committee, right, is because, um, well, simply put, we're not doing interest-based bargaining at this airline anymore, right? The company has uh, set their labor policy. Uh, their li- labor policy simply does not include interest-based bargaining. Uh, it is very, very heavy, disciplined, um, aggressive, distributive bargaining, which means that we're going to look a lot more like what you saw in the news with uh, Delta, United, Alaska, Spirit, Frontier, where guys are standing on uh, on a picket line uh, with signs, right? And we're going to have to bring that pressure because that is uh, what you do when you are doing distributive bargaining. It's not a good way of doing bargaining. Um, You can uh, create uh, much more advantage and do much better for uh, the pilot group and the company uh, if you're not caught up in – you know, distributive bargaining or an aggressive labor policy that's well served by the uh, the lawyers who service uh, the airline industry, right? Uh, Ford and Harrison. Uh, certainly, they make their money by finding ways to uh, get into uh, legal battles. And uh, the companies who don't take control of their own labor policy uh, and sub that stuff out to a vendor uh, end up on uh, picket lines and doing distributive bargaining. And it's uh, it's very unfortunate um, because you don't get the competitive advantage that comes with interest-based bargaining. All right. Um, so SPSC, right, uh, it's not just uh, learning to picket, but it is uh, part of what creates our uh, strategic plan. Um, and uh, truly, we do need to get a committee spun up because, uh, you know, early openers for Section 6 are going to be here before you before you know it. Uh, the pre-bid or long trips uh, LOA, right? The company had agreed to uh, to meet with the negotiating committee, right? That's good. That's healthy. Uh, both sides are actually getting together in a room and having a talk about uh, what might work or what they want, um, right? Uh, they have indicated going into that uh, negotiation that there would be no movement, right? So um, hard to negotiate with someone who's saying we're refusing to negotiate, but we'll meet with you because uh, the pilot group uh, <laughs> has brought enough pressure on them to uh, need to meet, right? All right. So um, that first meeting occurred last week, uh, scheduled to meet Friday and continue the discussion with the negotiating committee and uh, Jonathan Kitch as the uh, subject matter expert from the scheduling committee. Uh, I think with with some luck, uh, that discussion will uh, yield results and be healthy, right? We're talking about a lot of things that would uh, allow for uh, the company and ALPA to experiment and uh, create um, access to work in different flexible ways, which uh, may move the logjam on upgrades, right? We'd like to see that uh, and uh, see the company grow, right? We uh, we certainly need to fix the training department, which has had some uh, very very significant setbacks over the last year, uh, and is in a pretty pretty rough spot. But uh, we also need to encourage uh, the pilot group uh, to upgrade because that is the path to growth and uh, and future success, right? Uh, part of that is making sure that people can bid the kind of work that they want to bid or or even can bid uh, so that they, uh, you know, life and the stuff of wives and dogs and, um, uh, you know, uh, social life all can work with people's schedules well enough that they can choose to work the way that they want to work, right? Everyone has a different way they want to work. Uh, we just need to find a way to get uh, get the right work in the right way into the right people's hands. So. 
Um, hopefully Friday that discussion will continue and yield some results, right? Uh, again, the company views that long trip sell away as a temporary bridge to PBS and then it ends. Um, we support a permanent negotiated solution uh, that will uh, hopefully uh, lift the log jam on, on upgrades, right? All right, so uh, health insurance enrollment is now open. Uh, really, really important that everyone go in and participate in uh, the uh, the health insurance uh, enrollment, okay? You need to designate that you don't want health insurance or if you do want health insurance and what coverage you do want, all plans must actively enroll. And don't wait until the end and find out that you have IT troubles, right? Uh, I'm getting fairly regular one to two pilots a day uh, that are reaching out to us going, hey, I can't make it through the IT hurdles. Um, it's broken. I don't have access. My passwords don't work, uh, whatever that may be, right? Um, just make sure that you do this uh, in advance, right? Um, certainly the procrastinator uh, is going to find themselves um, in a system that, uh, you know, uh, doesn't perhaps work that well and uh, behind the ball a little bit. So don't wait till the last minute. Give yourself some time to uh, make sure that you can make it through the IT hurdles to uh, enroll in health insurance. It's unfortunate I have to say that, but it's just like every other IT thing at this company, right? Um, all right. Uh, improper denial of long-term disability benefits, right? So um, uh, this is a developing grievance. Uh, we are going to try and meet with the company uh, this week in an effort to try and resolve this. But uh, the uh, given the kind of harm uh, that this places on the most vulnerable pilots in our group, I think it's extremely, extremely important that uh, we keep talking about it and that everyone is really well aware of what's going on here. And I urge everyone on this call to go talk to, you know, three to five people uh, about what's going on with long-term disability because uh, you don't want to wait until you don't have an income to find out that you need a long-term disability and that the company is denying those benefits. Um, it is um, uh, the single most abhorrent thing I have ever seen uh, a company do to their employees. Um, you know, all of the IT problems that are uh, kind of, um, you know, manufactured, uh, all of the payroll issues that we've had, the, you know, constant failure of training, all of those things are terrible. Um, you know, uh, and I've seen some awful stuff come out of Pinnacle, but this is the single worst one I've ever seen. Um, so what we see, right, is multiple pilots are being denied their long-term uh, benefit coverage. And MetLife, who is the vendor uh, for the company for long-term disability, um, denies the pilot coverage when the condition that resulted in the disability uh, has been found to have been resolved, right? So uh, you have a brain tumor, right, and you go on to long-term disability after the 90-day elimination period. And, um, you know, your coverage starts because you have an issue uh, that clearly is uh, has disabled you. And, you know, through some period of time, maybe you uh, successfully recover, right? Uh, you beat that thing. Um, and you get a sign-off from your doctor that you're, you're healthy enough to uh, seek an FAA medical. And at that point, 
MetLife is tracking the day um, that you're going to meet with your um, your family doctor, right, or your specialist, and then denies coverage on that date, right? So every so often, um, you have to send in uh, an update on your condition to MetLife, who is then mitigating uh, the company's um, uh, obligation here uh by refusing coverage when contractually they are obligated right so so what happens is metlife denies the coverage uh and then there's no income for the pilot from the time that the benefits are denied until the time that they receive an faa medical right of course uh, the faa is also backed up some six months now so from the time that you're healthy uh enough to seek a medical to the time that you actually have a medical in hand and can seek coverage or, sorry, seek uh, seek work, right? Uh, come back to work and make make an income. Uh, you have no income at all, which is not what was negotiated for in this contract, and um, uh, is very very unfortunate, right? Um, we have a unique need as pilots, um, right? You break your finger, uh, it's really difficult for you to come to work, right? Uh, totally different from someone who's working at an office desk job. And because of that, our contracts in this industry uh, have language that's very, very similar to what's here on the screen now, right? So as I said, there's a 90-day uh, elimination period. And then uh, this language here um, in the second paragraph is where we're running into the troubles, right? So uh, for the first 24 months that LTD benefits are payable, a pilot shall be considered to be totally disabled under the plan if due to illness or injury, such pilot is unable to perform the duties of his occupation as a pilot or is unable or right is unable to maintain the FAA medical certificate required for his permanent position right um for everyone else uh, who has a normal desk job right uh, you can kind of you know end this paragraph right there and none of this language exists right so um very important that uh we have language in our contract and our work group uh, that is um, different, right, from the normal desk job. Uh, a lot of times what happens is uh, people purchase off-the-shelf LTD benefits uh, from a vendor like MetLife and uh, don't make the accommodation that's necessary under um, a contract like this uh, for a work group that has different needs and the company is obligated to, right? So. Uh, stated simply, uh, there's a gap in coverage here uh, where, or at least in uh, the benefits that are currently being provided because the company uh, has MetLife uh, denying those benefits. Um, truthfully, uh, this is um, simply not what's in this paragraph right here. And it this paragraph is really no different than uh, the rest of the industry, right? Because we have a, a special need with the work that we do. Uh, so we negotiate coverage that... Uh, is in line with that, which requires you to get your medical back because you're not going to have income until you get your medical back, right? Presumably, every person who has ever gone on long-term disability at some point is getting a sign-off from a specialist or a family doctor that says that they're healthy, and then they have uh, some period of time until they're going to have an FAA medical in hand. Two different doctors, two different uh, systems, and um, it, the pilot is always going to have this uh, this gap time from uh, when they are quote unquote healthy until the time that the FAA says that they can return to work and uh, make a living. Right. So um, we have insurance that's supposed to cover that, which uh, is not being uh, paid out properly. 
Yep. So like I said, we're going to meet with uh, with the company uh, HR lawyers this week uh, and the labor lawyers and uh, see if we can kind of work uh, work on an understanding as to how this works, right? Uh, past practice supports that the LTD benefits are supposed to be paid to the pilot. Uh, we have run into these issues before, right? And you're not running into the first people ever on long-term disability. And uh, there, uh, there's a long-standing practice and communication back and forth between uh, the company's labor team in the past, right? Uh, and it is uh, absolutely unacceptable that we find um, the weakest and most vulnerable pilots in our group uh, left behind. It is, uh, like I said, abhorrent. Um, in the meantime, right, and I, uh, I am not uh, an insurance salesman by any stretch of the imagination. Um, like I said, don't find yourself in a position where you know you need the income in order to survive. Uh, and don't have it because the company is denying you the money that you need uh, to pay your mortgage. Don't lose your house because of these guys' bad decisions, right? Like uh, like we say on the beginning of all of these calls, um, watch out for number one, you, right? Um, there's uh, Alpa uh, Insurance. Alpa does offer uh, multiple different insurance products, as you can see here, right? Uh, disability insurance, life insurance, critical illness and accident, accidental death and uh, dismemberment. Uh, there's some uh, Medicare Advantage, dental insurance, identity theft, right? Um, and some long-term care solutions, right? So um, make sure you take a look at this stuff. Um, even if you uh, are young and healthy, right? You never know when something's going to happen to you. Uh, this kind of long-term disability insurance is actually very, very reasonable. Um, it isn't um, tied to uh, things like RX drug coverage, which is you know the one number one cost uh, line item that increases health insurance costs. Uh, so long-term disability insurance, especially for someone who's young, is very, very affordable. Um, and you know, work your way back through the alpa.org website, find this stuff. It's built for pilots uh, and has language that uh, covers exactly uh, these kinds of scenarios, right? So uh, just be aware that it's there. Um, certainly don't wait until you uh, are out on uh, a long-term disability claim. Uh, and find that uh, that you can't get coverage, right? And that the company is going to deny your your income. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, so getting into some of the settlements uh, that we've uh, achieved recently, um, this is you know stuff that's done through uh, a lot, a lot of hard work and a very hardworking grievance team. Uh, we use uh, Jody in the office, Dina uh, and um, Barb. Uh, are kind of uh, Alpa legal staff, right? Uh, they've been keeping up with uh, what is a uh, absolutely amazing workload. Um, just to put it in context, right? Uh, the Pinnacle workload was uh, was really really high. That was a really aggressive company with some really bad ideas about labor, um, and certainly we weren't we weren't even up to uh, one grievance per pilot. Uh, when we were at, you know, 4,200 pilots or something like that, uh, we were running 3,600, I think, in one year and 3,200 in another year. Uh, and that was, you know, six pilots and two lawyers and uh, still using using Barb Schilling in the office to keep up with that that workload. And it was really, really high and really significant. Um, we're running, you know, 600 pilots and about 2,000 grievances, 152 group grievances. Uh, so you can see we're in a, a much, much tighter situation. Um, really, 
really awful um, amount of grievances. Uh, but what we're seeing, right, is a shift out of, uh, you know, uh, one kind of company into another kind of company. And uh, certainly they're they're extremely aggressive with labor. It's not just our labor group. It's all of the labor groups. Um, there's similarities that have emerged, right? And uh, important that people understand that difference and start to take the steps that are necessary to give us the data that we need to to push, right? So uh, here's a couple of those successes. Um, uh, 25M2A. Uh, the two-hour notification to report requirement, right? And uh, I did some slides on this about two months ago or so as we were um, uh, kind of trying to create some uh, pilot knowledge about how this works. Uh, here's the resulting uh, grievance um, that uh, Chris and his team uh, have uh, worked on, right? So uh, the violation here is 25M2A, right? And there's a requirement for two hours um from notification prior to uh, trip report time, okay? So uh, take a look at some of the language in 12C5, 12C6, uh, and I'll, I'll have some slides with some other um, some other language and kind of walk through how these different time periods work together, right? So um, what this settlement does is establishes uh, five hours uh, as a damage for uh, not having a schedule that reflects the full two hours from the time the pilot is notified uh, until the time uh, that the trip is scheduled to report. Note that notification is actually the time that you click on the red bar uh, or actually speak on the phone to someone, right? Notification is not the same thing as leaving a message uh, on your telephone. Um, it actually takes the two-way communication or the, the red bar acknowledgement. And Importantly, if you click on the red bar, right, that's where you're notified and your schedule at that point needs to be updated to reflect two hours from that point in time to the time that you report. OK, that doesn't mean that the, you know, the marketing times on the boards in the airport need to change your schedule uh, in terms of your ability to understand whether or not. Uh, what you are accepting as an assignment fits into your duty day uh, needs to be there. That two hours is a contractual requirement that needs to be reflected in that duty day, okay? Uh, so uh, just reading through the settlement here, right, following up on our recent discussions regarding a settlement of the above reference grievance, wherein it is alleged the company violated 25M2A in all related sections of the agreement and letter of agreement 2109, um, which uh, was the uh, the contract that was signed in back in the December 21, 2109, right? Uh, when the company did not provide two hours advanced notification prior to the report time for assignment to trip 9203 on the 17th of June, 2023. Uh, the company and the association having a mutual interest in resolving the above reference grievance, as well as ensuring the pilots are provided contractually compliant advanced notification when assigned as a reserve pilot have agreed to the following. In full and final settlement of the above reference grievance, the company and the association have agreed to resolve this grievance as set forth herein. 
The company admits that it has violated the agreement as alleged, agrees to cease and desist from such violations going forward, and will take all reasonable measures to ensure compliance with the contractual commitment to provide short-call reserve pilots not less than two hours advanced notification prior to the report time. The company will ensure pilots are assigned report times as provided in sections 12C5 and 12C6. Uh, so paragraph two here goes on to say the association and the company agree to settle and close the pending MEC group grievance regarding the failure to provide not less than two hours advance notification as follows. Upon execution of this agreement, the company will compensate the pilots identified in the grievance at five hours pay each at their current rates above their guarantee. Um any of uh, arbitrator Holden's uh, costs or expenses for the hearing scheduled for October 11th. And it goes on to say that he, uh, uh, those expenses will be covered by the company and that uh, the arbitrator will retain jurisdiction over these uh, issues for future grievances, right? So um, if you find that you're not being scheduled with uh, two hours from uh, from report, or sorry, from notification to the report time, uh, you should be filing a pilot issue form, letting the grievance committee do the work that's necessary to obtain uh, a remedy, uh, which uh, has been set at five hours, right? Um, the pilot cannot, uh, here's, here's kind of what's important, right? Uh, in, um, when you're trying to evaluate how these different times stack up, right? So if you're looking at this slide here, the green, uh, square, right? Like, so like right here, this is, uh, the time that you have a half an hour, uh, to return a phone call, right? So crew scheduling in this instance calls the pilot, um, right at 3 AM when they go on uh, AM reserve, right? You have 30 minutes to call back. And so uh, 30 minutes later, uh, the pilot calls back and says, hey, I um, I see that uh, you have something for me. What do you have? And at that point, the schedule should be changed to reflect this two hours starting from the notification, right? Um, so then it goes on uh, to show this two-hour block, right? And then a one-hour block from the time that you report to the time that you depart. Uh, so the subject of this grievance is right here. It's this two-hour chunk of time. And uh, without that chunk of time, right, uh, your duty day becomes an accordion that gets shortened or, or lengthened, uh, basically in order to fit it into the, the duty day in skirt, uh, skirt 117, right? Um, it becomes impossible to establish the release time down here at the end of the day, and it's impossible to determine where you sit in the order of assignment and the FOLO eligibility, right? Um, because in order to be assigned, uh, your assignment needs to be 117 and contractually legal, right? So if you're not 117 and contractually legal, right, if the whole of the duty day, uh, you know, right, from here to here um, doesn't equal the amount of time uh, that you have in your, you know, your wrap and your FDP, uh, you shouldn't be assigned that trip and you should move on to the next guy who is eligible, right? Uh, so you're not in the order of assignment when they're evaluating who should be assigned that trip uh, unless your duty day fits, right? And what we've seen over time is that this two hours gets shortened or this one hour gets shortened or that this 30 minutes doesn't get accounted for, right? So the what happens is if they don't change the, the notification time, because when they're evaluating your trip when they call you, right? This two hours is going to fit right here, right? 
And then when they call you and notify you, your schedule needs to get changed, right? So kind of provisionally, they're calling you based on you picking up the phone right at 3 a.m. If you call back 30 minutes later, this is where the notification time is established. And now you need to reflect two hours from here to here, right? If that's not happening, file a pilot issue form. Make sure that the grievance committee goes and gets you the money that uh, uh, you need to restore um, and make sure, uh, restore the damages and make sure that your contract is followed, right? All right. So um, here's what the language says, right? So uh, what establishes the two-hour report time, 25M2A? Notice the, what it says here, and it's underlined, right? Following notification in accordance with paragraph T4, uh, and you can go read T4 and what constitutes notification, right? But it isn't just leaving a message, it isn't talking to your kid and saying, hey, go knock on the shower and tell dad, right? Um, they actually need to talk to you uh, or you need to acknowledge on um, a red change bar, right? So recorded conversation on a recorded line. And this is the same thing for training pilots and it's the same thing for people who are getting contacted from training. You need to have notification on a recorded line. If it's not on a recorded line, it didn't happen, right? If you're getting notified through text, I, I wouldn't show up. Uh, so following notification in accordance with paragraph T4 below, a reserve pilot will be subject to a report time of not less than, so 14 hours for a 14 long call pilot or two hours for a short call reserve pilot, all right? Um, that's the language uh, that was being tested and that's um, uh, what the settlement um, uh, makes clear, right? So. What should happen after notification? As I said, your schedule must reflect a two-hour call-out time. The two-hour window is established at notification, right? So from the time that you're on a recorded line and you are acknowledging that um, the rest of your day, your duty day, right, should show two hours at, at that point to report. Um, so from notification to report must show two hours in OMS, right, in eCrew. Um, and if it doesn't, file a pilot issue form. The grievance committee will start to work on um, seeking a remedy. So just to break down where the language is here, right? Um, initial contact, right? So this pilot is called at 0300, and that happens in accordance with Section 25B1C1, right? So you got to kind of page around the contract and put this stuff together, which is what the next series of slides here, the next four slides kind of do is point in the direction of where that language is so you can understand how it works, right? Uh, how each piece uh, of this contract works together to create uh, these different chunks of time, right? This one here, this one here, this one here, right? So the initial contact happens at 0300. You can find that in this section. And then notification, right, at 0330. So you take the full 30 minutes and call back, right? That happens in accordance with 25T4C, right? Then the report time is created at 5.30, two hours notice, right, uh, later than 0330 in accordance with 25M2A2. Right, that's where the report time language occurs. And then you get into uh, the report to departure. Uh, this is extremely important, right? That you always have this hour 
uh, from report to departure in order to uh, safely prep the airplane uh, to leave, right? All of this is required by 117. You need to have realistic times, um, right? And if the contract requires these times, the schedule should show these times uh, so that once you start flying this trip, right, and you you fly, you know, Minneapolis to, to CVG, right, and then CVG to, uh, to Minneapolis, right, that that's actually going to fit in the duty day, right? Otherwise, you shouldn't be assigned this in accordance with the order of assignment in the FOLO simply because there's an FAA or contractual violation. All that stuff needs to be assessed uh, when crew scheduling is making a telephone call to the pilot, right? So uh, that settlement um, regarding the notification to report time because of you know this accordion of the day, right? When you skirt this and you cut it a little short, right? And now you fit into the duty day back here, but you would have been out here, right? Um, you got to establish this, right? So we establish this in the arbitration. Then you get into the order of assignment and the follow. So 25 I four and 25 M six C. All right. So uh, the November arbitration, right, which should be happening tomorrow and the next day. Uh, we were able to successfully uh, settle, um, and this one had to do with uh, pilots being assigned trips that are longer than the number of days they have remaining on their schedule, right? So um, in this case, uh, I think there was a pilot with like three days of availability remaining. He was assigned a four-day trip. Um, he didn't notice it at the time that he was uh, trying to uh, you know, evaluate and accept the assignment, that the trip ended at, you know, 0212, right? So uh, in our contract, that's the next calendar day. Um, and then he got out and fly, was flying the trip. He got into like day three and realized, hey, this thing doesn't doesn't end uh, on day four. It goes into day five, right, which is my day off. And they shouldn't have assigned me this because uh, it's in violation of the FOLO, FOLO language, right? So... Um, and then there was another another case uh, where the fact set uh, was um, uh, a little bit different, uh, where it was just straight up all day long into the into the day off, right? So um, what we see here, right, um, deal with these violations of 25 I4, 25 M6C, um, and as you read through um, the settlement letter language here on the right, which I'll go ahead and, and read through for the people who are on the phone and can't can't see the settlement. Um, uh, keep in mind, right, what we're trying to evaluate here, uh, trip assignments must account for the remaining days of uh, reserve time, right? Uh, trip assignments must follow the order of assignment. Uh, so that says that you must be on reserve time uh, when you're uh, assigned, right? And trips must be posted in open time until assigned. Uh, this is a significant problem. That whole notion of you know placing trips onto a pilot to kind of see if they'll notify that shouldn't happen anymore under this new language. Um, simply because uh, there used to not be an order of assignment, and there was no follow preferencing um, prior to you know January first to twenty two. And as those uh, those issues uh, we're supposed to implement in our contract, uh, crew scheduling simply has not um, been following them. They don't have the reserve assignment logs. They can't follow them. 
and um, uh, basically the Wild West, right? So we're trying to get that stuff under control. Um, trip assignments must be posted in open time until assigned. And if they're pulling things out, uh, assigning them to people uh, outside of the order of assignment and then putting them back into open time, those earnings opportunities are being um, obscured from the pilot group who now can't pick them up, right? Uh, so uh, this deals with that as well and then uh, establishes punitive damages, a remedy for failure to follow the order of assignment and establishes punitive damages as a remedy to failure to follow the FOLO preferences, right? So um, some of what's going on here, and I, I'm going to leave the names in here and hopefully uh, nobody has troubles with that. It's just um, uh, difficult to edit out. So uh, I'm following up on our recent discussions regarding a settlement of the above reference grievance, wherein it is alleged the company violated sections 25 I-4, all related sections, including but not limited to 25 M6C of the agreement and letter of agreement 2109, when the company assigned a four-day trip to Captain Michael Chucholak on June 17th, 2023, uh, when Captain Chucholik only had uh, three days of reserve availability remaining, and when the company assigned a six-day trip to Captain James Lockram on uh, September 5th, 2023, when Captain Lockram only had five days of reserve availability remaining. Uh, the company and the association having a mutual interest in resolving the above reference grievance as well as ensuring pilots are provided contractually compliant assignments while on reserve have agreed to resolve this grievance as set forth herein. The company admits it has violated the agreement as alleged, agrees to cease and desist from such violations going forward, and will take all reasonable measures to ensure compliance with the contractual commitment to properly assign reserve pilots. Uh, the company recognizes that it must comply with the order of assignment as set forth in Section 25I4. It may not assign a trip with the number of reserve days exceeding the pilot's available reserve days. Uh, and then B, uh, the company recognizes that unassigned trips must be posted in open time and defi as defined in Section uh, 2AZ. Um the punitive part of uh, this settlement, right? So the association and the company agree to settle and close the pending MEC group grievance as follows. Upon execution of this agreement, the company will compensate uh, Captain Chucholik in the amount of five hours of pay at his current rate and Captain Ethan Plunkett for lost wages in the amount of five hours of pay at his current rate above their guarantees and Captain James Lockram in the amount of five hours pay at his current rate, and Captain Richard Murray for lost wages in the amount of four hours and 45 minutes at his current rate above their guarantees, right? So um, what's happening here, right? Uh, Chicholik, who should not have been assigned, is getting a five-hour remedy for the technical violation of having been improperly assigned, right? Uh, Captain Ethan Plunkett, uh, who was not assigned this trip but should have been assigned this trip, he is getting five hours of pay uh, above his current rate because he didn't have the work opportunity that he should have had. Uh, Captain Lockroom, uh, likewise, technical violation, shouldn't have been assigned because they had enough days remaining, right? He gets five hours of pay. And then the pilot who should have otherwise been assigned, which is Captain Murray, 
uh, is paid four hours and 45 minutes, which is the difference uh, in the pay between the trip that he was assigned and the trip that he should have been assigned had the order of assignment uh, actually uh, been followed and the pilot assigned the trip that he should have been paid. So you see where the loss in wages starts to emerge, right? And why it's important that we have FOLO and important that we have an order of assignment because uh, it prescribes who makes what from what earnings opportunities. And uh, Captain Murray should have made uh, four hours and 45 minutes more uh, than the trip that he was improperly assigned, right? Uh, also important to note that arbitrator Fishgold, um, his costs and expenses are paid uh, by the company solely, so the association uh, doesn't incur uh, any cost here, right, for the company's violations and uh, refusal to settle them in time to cancel the uh, cost uh, that were incurred by the arbitrator being left on the hook uh, right up until um, uh, last week, right? Uh, also, Arbitrator Fishgold will retain jurisdiction in this matter for future resolution of any disputes related to this settlement. So um, uh, if the company says, no, we don't want to pay this when we do this in the future, uh, we return to Arbitrator Fishgold, uh, who looks at this precedent-setting settlement and says, yeah, that facts that matches, you're going to have to pay. Uh, just a quick reminder here on the order of assignment, you can find this language in 25I4, right? Um, and what happens here is uh, trips uh, are assigned first to reassign pilots, right? Uh, and then uh, after that, you move on to people who are on uh, time of availability trips or sort reserve trips. I want to talk about this a little bit, right? A time of availability trip is a kind of trip, as is a sort reserve trip. And what <laughs> there's a code, right, called TAP or time of availability that has nothing to do with the time of availability trip. Totally obscures, um, you know, what that is. Uh, if you're coded as TAP in eCrew, uh, that is the result of a cancellation prior to the start of the trip on the day prior, prior to 11 a.m. Um, and we've had some problems with this, and it's probably heading towards arbitration unless it's settled in advance. Um, but uh, Time of availability trips are an entire different trip construct. Uh, essentially what it is, is it's out of base reserve. We have seen almost none of these done. Uh, spent months and months negotiating this because it was really important to the company to be able to have out of base reserve, right? So essentially what it, what these are, uh, sort reserve trips was something that they had to have for Amazon. You get paid five hours uh, above guarantee for sitting on a sort reserve trip, which is kind of akin to uh, like a hot airport reserve of sorts, but you're at your hotel on a kind of a really you know short, fast call out to the airport. And then time of availability trips, this was something about you know being able to do, say, a charter out of Los Angeles and have some uh, reserves um, sitting out there where we don't have a domicile, right? So paid five hours above guarantee. When you see that tap coding, it has nothing to do with that kind of trip. It's totally obscured. So don't read this order of assignment. Think that you get uh, that you're on your tap and that you fall here because that is not the case. Um, what we're talking about in this settlement, right, is reserve pilots on reserve time within the domicile. These guys, right? In order to fit into this reserve assignment, right, then you go into all of the FOLO language that follows it. Um, 
So just know that uh, what's supposed to be happening, right? You're supposed to get assigned on reserve um, right here in C in this order of assignment, right? So you shouldn't see management pilots out flying, you're flying. You shouldn't see people getting junior assigned if you're still on reserve, right? Um, there is an order of assignment. It's important that it's followed. And you should be able to have a reserve assignment log that shows where you sit relative to the other people who are on reserve, right? Um, so, you know, what should I do if I can't establish my place in the FOLO? I can't imagine that given the data, the way that you're given the data, that anybody could possibly establish their place in the FOLO. It's impossible. Um, what was truly what was negotiated here was transparency in a report and having all of the data in one single report so that you could look at something very simply and discern whether or not you should have been assigned a trip, right? Um, so we're kind of doing our parts to put some of the walls in place around this, right? With the uh, notification to report times and we're dealing with um, uh, all of the order of assignment language and how the FOLO works. This part is the transparency that you're supposed to have in order to do some self-policing uh, and understand where you sit, right? So um, the reserve assignment log is not being published. Uh, this was arbitrated on September 1st. Briefs have been submitted to arbitrator Horowitz. Um, and I think uh, that was open till October 27th or so. And now we're awaiting uh, arbitrator Horowitz decision. Um, and, you know, the MEC is well aware uh, that um, there's widespread noncompliance with the FOLO preferences. And if you um, if you're getting assigned off a reserve, and you can't figure out where you are in the FOLO preferences. I suggest that you take a snapshot of your assignment and um, grab that uh, that email that was sent out. Uh, at the beginning of your reserve period so that you can uh, have a record of the violation and seek the punitive damages that these settlements provide you, right? Um, so how do I preserve a FOLO assignment claim? Uh, screenshot and submit a pilot issue form for each reserve assignment, right? If you're on reserve and you're getting an assignment, it's probably not in line with the FOLO. It might be just out of, you know, dumb luck and chance, but um, the MEC and the Grievance Committee believe that uh, no reserve assignments are being made in accordance with the FOLO. Um, if your assignment happens to be, you know, in that order uh, or in what the correct order is, uh, it's purely happenstance. Um, uh, simply stated, the crew schedulers have no better access to that data than you do. They need that report in order to follow the FOLO order of assignment. And if that report doesn't exist, it's, it, one can presume that there is no way that they're following any reserve assignment at all properly, right? So you should be taking a screenshot of every reserve assignment that you get uh, and filing the pilot issue form to preserve that data, um, right? On the, the back side of that pilot issue form is a database that collects, you know, like a digital file of, uh, of your assignments as long as you upload uh, the smoking gun proof that it occurred, right? So 
when you're trying to understand how photo preferencing works, right? And I'm going to try and dig into this in the next couple of weeks in these seminars uh, because I think it's really important that we start to gain some um, just collective knowledge of what the photo first out, last out preferencing is, right? This is uh, within reserve time, uh, reserve types, right? So AM, PM, red eye, uh, and for pilots who are on reserve time, um, right? And uh, subject to contractual flight and duty limitations, right? This is what these settlements are, the contractual limitations, right, that need to be followed. And those contractual limitations drive the 117 limitations. So all of them need to be put together, right? And your duty date can't become an accordion of contractual provisions kind of stapled together in some kind of Frankenstein. There are rules, and they need to be followed or you cannot evaluate where you sit in the order of assignment nor whether your assignment is 117 legal right um there's a bunch of exceptions uh, these exceptions have to do with uh you know there's a credit limiter um there's um you know the first guy who's going to get assigned to someone who hasn't consolidated right so all of that stuff is there um there's rules around all of this and we should dig into this and, and pick it apart right but Kind of what just visually, right, the order of assignment and then the FOLO look like. You have uh, these reserve times, right, AM, PM, red eye, uh, that have specific start times where they start. And, you know, crew scheduling is supposed to assign trips within these reserve times in the following manner, subject contractual flight and duty limitations and any applicable 117 limitations, right? So there's that's the header to 25I4, and then it goes through all those, uh, the, the language, right, this list back here right of uh the order in which people are supposed to be assigned note when they get to the reserve you get into the follow right uh so uh, there's kind of different layers here um and i just want to know kind of how this works right because it's it's a little different than uh some of the other systems out there and i think what it does is it causes um other systems where you would look at just the AMs in a silo and just the PMs in a silo and just the red eyes in a silo force the company to continually be changing, uh, you know, AMs out of their AM period into PMs or, or PMs into red eyes to re-level the reserve staffing uh, throughout, you know, your your stretch of reserve, which is really difficult on on the body clock, right? So by combining, and that's what these red boxes show, right? Uh, by combining the AM and the PM together, and the scheduler having some, um, let's say, um, choice as to whether they're using an AM or PM inside of you know this box right here, uh, they have the ability to kind of choose whether they use the AM or the PM um, rather than being defined that they have to assign the AM if they're still legal within the duty day. Uh, so that keeps people in their their reserve, um, their awarded reserve period, which I think is important. Um, so what happens here, right? You get the, kind of these layers where there's overlaps and then there's areas where uh, there's just AMs available or just red eyes available, right? Note that the PMs uh, always, uh, for their entire reserve period, overlap with other periods. That means that there's more people available generally on reserve and they're trying to make a decision as to who's going to get assigned this trip, right? So you kind of have, you know, time just moving forward, so just pick a slice in time, like right there, and they're trying to decide, you know, 
who's going to report for this trip based on that report time. Note that that's going to be an AM pilot, right? Um, if you're trying to discern who's going to get you know, assigned right here, you're going to evaluate in the follow between the AM and the PM. Note that the AM is almost done with their duty day, right? Really, really difficult to assign anything with a report time this late in the day. So you're probably looking at the PM most likely, right? Um, so from that standpoint, it makes sense to have these uh, these two combined in the follow. But whenever you're, you know, looking at whether or not you're the, the person who should have been assigned, right? You need to look at the report time of the trip, Right. So back to our, you know, example from the first issue and you got a report time here at 3 a.m. Right. So you're going to you make a decision between the a.m. people and the red eye people and the red eyes are just about out of duty. So you're probably going to end up with uh, with an a.m. guy. Right. Um, just know that that's that's why the follow report is supposed to be published at the beginning of every reserve period. Right. Because. Full report supposed to come out and it's supposed to show everyone who's been assigned, right? So these people are out of the order of assignment, and you should be able to look at that and go, "Oh man, I should have had that assignment. They assigned this improperly, right?" Or um, you know, be able to look at the people between yourself on AM and the guys who are on red eye, right? And if this thing is a, uh, um, you know, being evaluated for like a, you know, let's say it's a ground deadhead to a Claire. Right, like Minneapolis to Eau Claire, and you're trying to evaluate should um, should I use the AM guy right here, right, or should I use the red eye right here? Um, they may very well um, be able to uh, fit that into the duty day. Uh, maybe more like back in here, right? Uh, so the guy has a two-hour call out and forty-five minute drive, something like that, right? But. That's kind of how the FOLA works, right, is you're kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, where you stand at report time and then evaluate at the report time of that trip, does the rest of my duty day fit, right, when I do all of the flying and all of the contractual limitations, right, so 30 minutes to call back, two hours from report to departure, an hour to prep the airplane, and then does the flying fit in, right? Can I do the flying inside of the duty day? and not have a 117 violation out here at the back end. It's a beautiful drawing, isn't it? Zillin would be proud of me. All right. Um, truthfully, uh, I think that's all I got for today. Um, we can do some, some Q&A. I know that, uh, that investment call is coming up, and everyone's probably really interested in how the company is doing compared to uh, uh, the other ultra-low-cost carriers, and uh, I, too, am uh, interested to know, right? So... Uh, with that, I do see that Nick has his hand up. Nick, go ahead. Uh, you have the floor. Um, what you got going on? Uh, not much. I'll keep it short. Real quick, so you mentioned that with this new order of assignment, we should no longer be seeing uh, these these kind of uh, fish hooks where they try to put something on your line on your off day, and it starts before your um, – well, it – they used to try to put it so if you acknowledged it, it would re it would reduce your it would take away your rest period because now you're assigned it, but it would actually be reportable within your duty day. Are they not able to do that anymore? Or I'm sorry, be you would have to be reporting uh, prior to the two hour call out time. Is that is that a clear question? Sorry. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, take a look here, right, at the language on. The uh, standby right here. 
let me share my screen again, right? I just remember, you know, on reserve quite often they would just right. put something there and you would acknowledge it, not realizing that you're actually agreeing to report before you're you're legally supposed to. Yeah. So the report time, no matter what, has to fall inside of your reserve period. Okay. So your report time cannot be uh, outside of that. Uh, that assign reserve period. So let's take a look down here once real quick um, at uh, that slide that I was just on. If I can find it, here we go. So um, make sure I'm sharing my screen that you guys are seeing what I'm seeing. Yep, I think you are. All right. So I think what you're asking, right, is say you're a PM guy and you started here at 11, right? Um, simply, uh, that's, a yeah, we're not seeing that Eric. Okay, hold, yeah, hold on just two seconds. And let me, um, let me reset this here. Uh, let's see. Slideshow that. And stop that. And how about now? You seeing that? Oh. Still nothing, huh? Let's see the Tuesdays at two slides. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. There it is. Yep. All right. So um, I think what you're asking is can they assign you a report time like right here? Uh, just outside of the the report time. Right. And that they cannot do. So say you're on AM and you have, a, you know, an 0300-1700 reserve time. The report time has to fall somewhere inside of this, okay? They can't just um, assign your report time like out here. This is not okay under any circumstance. But the day before, Eric, they could, they could notify you for a 301 in the morning show. Yep, they could right. do that. Yep. yep. And you're in the order of assignment, right? So uh, take a look at that slide um, here, right? Reserve pilots on reserve time within the domicile, right? Okay. So you have to be on reserve time uh, in order to be assigned, right? They, they need to be able to call you and get you on the hook, right? Right. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is there's and this is a trend I see with a lot of new reserve pods is they they get a notification or a call from crew scheduling and they they get asked to accept this trip, not realizing that they're actually for you know um, giving up uh, had they just not answered the phone, giving up that that uh, two hour call out um, and then accepting the trip and and in fact increasing their duty day length by default unwittingly. Yeah. So they can still do that is what I'm what I'm hearing. Um, if you're on reserve time, right, they can call and assign you a trip. That report time for that trip needs to be during the reserve period. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I get it now. 
Um, and then the second part of my question, going back to the uh, the punitive stuff well, that you guys settled on with these guys getting assigned trips into their off days, is that going to be, um, and it's just a question of how this process works, uh, will that forever be pretty much a five-hour penalty uh, punitive on the company every time they do it moving forward? Or how, or how, how does that work? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if I'm understanding your question correctly, yes, that's correct. It's a precedent-setting settlement. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. You know, there is some language on your first day on reserve, and this does matter, right? Um, so I forget how this works, right? Because you're not um, available to be assigned on your first day uh, for the first two hours. So this little chunk of time right here, right, on your first day in a reserve sequence, uh, there's language that clarifies that you cannot be uh, assigned during that, that two-hour window, right? You're out of the order of assignment for the first day in the sequence. So that makes 0500 the first time that you could be assigned. Hopefully that offers a little bit of clarity there. there this stuff is pretty complex and it, it and, you know, we're going to have to grow some group knowledge in the, in the pilot group to uh, be able to, to self-enforce as these things kind of come up. Right. And, uh, you know, test, test them out through arbitration because, uh, then we have, you know, clarity as to what these things are, right? Um, which is kind of, you know, lousy, right? Um, but that's the kind of uh, thing that you see with um, labor relations right now. I mean, this is, uh, we're kind of the test bed and they're, uh, they're shifting into um, kind of a labor strategy where uh, your language isn't real until... Um, until it's been decided by an arbitrator, uh, which is to say your negotiated language uh, has to be tested by an arbitrator to be real. That's what the Delta pilots are hearing. And it's the same law firm, Ford and Harrison, in the background here and at Delta and United and, and everywhere else, right? So uh, they're, they're testing this stuff out here, um, right? We're the tip of the spear uh, and they are... Uh, truly beaten up on the guys with the least amount of budget to see if the guys with the big budgets will uh, will come to the rescue right but uh, uh, they're, they're gonna start to see this stuff at Delta and United and they're there it's it's already into their uh, into their labor world that's exactly what we heard uh, at the bargaining roundtable out in Vallo a couple weeks back and uh, you know will was out there talking to uh, everyone at the big table right and that's that's what Delta reported. Uh, you're not going to get your negotiated language, and you got to you got to run it through an arbitrator to prove that it's real. All right. Um, all right. Anyone else? Uh, questions, comments, uh, just thoughts on these settlements and um, uh, where we go from here. All right. Quiet group today. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, you know, go, go tune into the, the earnings call. Um, 
figure out how different we are from the other low-cost carriers who are uh, truly struggling and then decide whether uh, whether you want to be taken advantage of or you want uh, punitive damages for the things that are occurring to you because it's uh, really run amok, right? Hey, Brian, I see, uh, I see you got your hand up. What you got? Yeah, real quick. Uh, the, so the earnings call, uh, apologies for not being up to date on that. When is that? Uh, you know, I think it follows this, um, and it might. Yeah, it's, uh, it's today at 3.30, 4.30. Is it? Oh, okay. All right, got it. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, yeah, awesome, I think thanks. I'm I'm going to go tune in and uh, appreciate everybody tuning into these calls. Uh, Kevin uh, and Jody will work on uh, the production and legal vetting and get this stuff posted as soon as we can. So uh, thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.